Hi folks, and welcome back to another episode of Creating Change. My name is Jillian Walsh. I'm an eating disorder specialist. I trained registered dietitian as well as a registered psychotherapist qualifying here in Canada. And today I'm here to talk to you folks about the effects of the starving brain and how what happens with the brain of somebody living with an eating disorder really is impacted by the malnutrition that of course is a side effect of having an eating disorder. So folks who've heard what I have to say before, they know that I always talk about how an eating disorder starts as a mental health concern, but quickly deteriorates to a physical health concern. So the reason that happens is because the mental health piece is the preoccupation with weight, shape, and appearance, and it really ends up zeroing in on ways to control food and nutritional intake as a way to control weight, shape, and appearance. Now, of course, that's not the only things um, that an eating disorder focuses on, but this is oftentimes what leads to the physical deterioration of someone's health. So what I mean by that is if the eating disorder restricts food or ends up with some sort of compensatory behaviors like purging or over-exercising or laxative use, what happens is that the body goes into a state of disarray or malnutrition. So what that means is that the body is actually not receiving all the adequate nutrition that it requires to function optimally. So yes, it will be able to continue taking part in most daily activities of living, but the body is not at its optimum like functioning level. So what ends up happening, of course, is that the body is relying on inherent built-in safety nets. It ends up shutting down some of the nice to have um, bodily functions and so that it can really just zero in on keeping the body alive. So a big, big repercussion of this major malnutrition or lack of adequate nutrition for an individual affected by an eating disorder is their brain ends up going into a starved state. So there's a lot that comes out of a starved brain. What I mean by that is nutritionally, the brain is actually starving. So it is missing its crucial nutrients to function appropriately and function optimally. What I mean by that is that the brain relies on glucose or carbohydrates as its main source of fuel. It's actually its only source of fuel. So if we are not intaking enough carbohydrates in the run of a day to fuel our brain optimally, the brain actually needs to divert its attention into a less than optimal function that breaks down different nutritional components into the glucose that it absolutely requires for brain functioning. So what ends up happening is that we have this really difficult brain that's not functioning well, but it kind of is able to still partake in many of its normal activities. So you can still sleep, you can still work oftentimes, um, participate in school, have conversations. But the thing is, is that the brain is simply in a, in a survival mode. So the brain is not functioning optimally. And oftentimes what folks on the outside, so the folks, that, the person that's not affected by the eating disorder, they start to see really obvious signs of brain impairment. 
This might be a really difficult time sleeping, a difficult time concentrating, a difficult time with attention. So not only concentrating at a task at hand, but also continuing with being engaged with a certain activity. It can also be a lack of interest in things that used to be of interest to the person who was, who was affected by the eating disorder. So perhaps they had hobbies, they had sports, they had friends that they used to spend time with and engage in. And all of a sudden this focus has shifted almost completely to things that are more, you know, of course, related to the eating disorder. So it might be more attention paid to food, nutrition, nutrition labels, um, calories burned, calories consumed, exercise, um, you know, body shape, body size, body appearance, shopping, fashion, photos, um, how their body looks and their body feels. And so what ends up happening is that this starved brain is really being run by the eating disorder. So not only is it not functioning optimally, it's also being run by a mental health concern, which is the eating disorder. So how I describe that is there's the eating disorder brain and then there's the well brain. And the thing is, is that as an eating disorder is growing, the eating disorder brain starts to take up more space in the brain and then the well brain starts to shrink down. So what happens is that that person affected by the eating disorder starts to really fade away and then the eating disorder comes out at full force. And then when the eating disorder brain is in charge, really the eating disorder is making all the decisions. It's making all of the thoughts, the feelings, the behaviors, all of the the blasts, so the emotional blasts, the things that are said by the person affected by the eating disorder order is most often rooted in that eating disorder brain. And that can be very, very difficult, not only for the person living with the eating disorder, because of course they've lost, you know, they've lost connection with who they are and who their well brain is or where that, their well brain is, because that well brain has just been completely shrunken down. And then the, the eating disorder brain is basically just completely overpowering it. So not only is it tough for the person affected by the eating disorder, but it's so hard on the folks and the loved ones around them because they're watching this person with the eating disorder simply fade away and this, you know, not so kind eating disorder coming to the forefront of that person's life and really running the show. And what that means is that there might be significant food rules. There might be certain food rituals. There can be a lot of, you know, different things or different choices around where to eat, what to eat, when to eat. There can be a lot of isolation. Overall, the person that they used to be before the eating disorder arose, it has completely faded away. So the point of all of this is really for folks both living with eating disorders and also as loved ones of those living with eating disorders is to recognize that the person inside of that body and the person that's presenting is not your loved one as they were before the eating disorder. That person is still in there, but that well brain is really, really small and really being overpowered by the eating disorder brain. So when you're looking at this person who's affected by the eating disorder and you're wondering why they're making, you know, poor choices, why they're doing harm to themselves, why they are in a state of malnutrition, recognize that that is not your loved one. 
that is the eating disorder brain in charge. And it's so loud that your loved one can't help but to listen to that, that voice and listen to that part of the brain because it's loud and it's overbearing. And the tricky thing is, is that for that loved one that is affected by an eating disorder, the easiest way to quiet that eating disorder brain is to actually do what it wants you to do, which of course is to engage in the eating disorder. So folks, this is such a tricky thing to navigate. It's very hard when you're the one living with an eating disorder because it's hard to really distinguish what thoughts are rooted in the eating disorder brain and what thoughts are rooted in the well brain. And of course, when your brain is starving and lacking that fuel that it needs to function optimally, it can be even harder to get help to realize or recognize that there is something happening that isn't quite right. And it can be really difficult if not near impossible to accept help as it's um, provided to you. So really what I want you folks to hear today is that the eating disorder brain will be loud. It will be in charge when somebody is not getting help for their eating disorder. And this is not a situation that you need to navigate on your own. It's quite tricky and it can be very, very hard to tease out what's eating disorder brain and what's well brain when you're not a trained healthcare professional. So what that might mean is that in order to get help and in order to advance an eating disorder recovery, it might mean that you need to connect with an eating disorder team. And that's the best step to take in order to start or kickstart eating disorder recovery is to really get in front of those folks that know eating disorders, that specialize in eating disorders, because they will very quickly be able to tease out that eating disorder brain and help you and help your loved ones empower that well brain and fuel that well brain and reverse the starvation so that eating disorder recovery is much more likely to occur. All right, folks, that is a heavy, heavy one. Um, if you're still here listening, know that you don't have to do this alone. There's lots more free resources on our website. And of course, we're always offering our free two-hour monthly webinar at changecreateschange.com. And that is called First Do No Harm. It's for parents and carers who suspect that their loved one may have an eating disorder and they're not sure what to do next. So if that sounds familiar, if that sounds like it might be useful to you, click down on the link below and sign up for our webinar that's coming this month. All right, folks, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.